0: You've worked hard for your savings. It's time your savings starts working harder for you. With Millie Bank, you can do just that. When you open a savings account or JARS, you'll earn Millie's highly competitive annual percentage yield. But that's not all. Millie believes banking shouldn't cost you a thing. That's why Millie offers complete peace of mind with no fees, no minimums, and is member FDIC insured. It's all part of Millie's mission to help you save more for the things that matter most. So why wait? Download the Millie Bank app today.
1: Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast. I'm Jamie Catmull, and I'm glad you're tuning in to today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about how to save for retirement during high inflation. I know we're all wondering, how do we save any money right now with inflation and things being as high as they are? And we're gonna talk about something that most people shy away from, and that's navigating our finances after losing a spouse or a loved one. Whether it's through divorce or the death of a partner, navigating financial matters after a loss can be quite tough. That's why in today's episode, I've invited Samantha Melting the Senior Vice President and Head of Consumer Bank at Synchrony as my guest. She's going to talk with us today about how to save for retirement and share with us her personal journey of becoming a widow and trying to manage finances as the sole breadwinner through loss. Samantha, thanks for joining us today on today's podcast. How are you doing? I am
2: great. I am so excited to be here. I just love talking about money. I love talking about saving, and I'm excited to share some of my experiences and some things I've had successes with over time. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm super glad that you're here. You are a great expert when it comes to saving money. And I wanted to ask you, what can people do when it comes to saving money for a rainy day or retirement?
2: You know, I like to think of saving as the foundation of financial health. It really is the most critical step in a financial journey. It positions someone to successfully manage through financial emergencies or unexpected expenses. And and it helps you achieve financial goals such as buying a new home or avoiding debt or going on a dream vacation. And saving for retirement is one of the most important long-term savings goals. So you're prepared to live your absolute best life when you do retire and you're no longer earning a steady income. And I like to think about saving as an investment in yourself. Oftentimes people think of saving as it's a burden or it's a sacrifice of something that I wanna buy today. But shifting your mindset to help you realize your financial goals and give you peace of mind is something that that you're preparing for. And money allows you to do that and, and saving allows you to do that. And you know, sometimes those opportunities can be good Such as, you know, I had the opportunity to take a surprise weekend vacation, or it can be bad, such as suddenly becoming a widow and having to manage through many unplanned expenses, from funeral expenses to legal fees. When my and also losing my husband's income, and so you know, throughout my life, being prepared with savings has given me the opportunity to experience many joys and reduce financial stress during the most difficult times of my life.
0: So what are some steps that people can take to start saving money? I know it's been something that's hard for me and has been hard for me in my life is to save money. And especially for people who maybe are living paycheck to paycheck right now, how can they save? What can they do? What steps can they take?
2: Yeah, I actually have some really great steps that I like to tell people about, and the very first one is you have to get started. You've got to set a goal. Uh, In fact, I tell people to set two goals to start with. It could be what's that longer-term goal, and and longer-term could be in six months I want to have $500 in an emergency fund. Maybe it's someone who hasn't been saving at all, And so it starts with, I want $600 in an emergency fund in six months time. Great. So now let's set another goal that talks about or helps you prepare for how do you achieve that goal in six months? And it could be, you know what, the first month I just need to save $50. And so that can be your first goal. And so I tell people it is, it is okay to start small. When you, when you are building that habit of savings, a lot of it starts with your behavior and your attitude toward money, uh, which will ultimately determine your success. And give yourself some grace with, when you do fall off track, but you've gotta start somewhere. And so if you can start with that really small first step of I'm gonna save $25 in one month. Okay, and then the next step could be I'm gonna save $25 in the second month. And then by the third month, you're starting to establish that behavior of savings. And I think you'll find that you'll be really motivated and empowered to keep going. And then once you do achieve that $600 goal, well, then you, then you create a second goal. Okay, maybe I, I now wanna have $1,000 in savings. And then how do you get there? So you start with a goal, you start with a plan. But one of the most important ways to set that plan is the dreaded B word you have to create a budget. And a budget is often where people fail. And it's because you you need to have a plan of what you need to spend, what your utilities are, what your most critical expenses are, and then including savings in that budget. And it's so important that when you start with a budget that you actually know where your money is going. And so that's often the hardest part for someone is just trying to understand where am I spending my money today? Like how much am I spending on eating out? How much am I spending on, on shoes? Uh, how much am I actually paying for my car? Or am I paying on expenses that really are not that important? So once you figure out where your money is going, then you can create your budget. And in your budget, it is so critical that you include savings. You always should pay yourself first if you include saving in your budget, and then it becomes a part of your plan each month. I also like to include fun time. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. I call it fun time. And this is those things that come up throughout the month that I can budget for, for things like, oh, I have a wedding coming up and I wanna buy a new dress for this wedding. Uh, Or uh, I wanna take a vacation and so I'm just gonna put a little bit more in this fun time money. And what's great about it is it gives you permission to spend that money. So a budget is something that you should think about as the permission of how you're gonna use your money and how you're gonna make every dollar that you make work for you. The, The next step is you have to open up a savings account or a retirement account. Keeping your savings separate from your checking account keeps it protected from everyday spending. And in the case of retirement accounts, they may offer tax advantages and, and company matches. And so I, I think that such a critical step in this journey is that you're able to separate that money out so you're less likely to spend it or be tempted to spend it. And then last, you've got to check on your progress regularly. It's motivating and it helps you avoid surprises. I actually do this every single morning over my first cup of coffee. I look at all of my financial accounts. It helps me keep track of my goals. What are my savings balances looking like? Oh, did I spend too much on my credit card? What's going into my checking account? What's coming out of my checking account? And it keeps me on track with my budget, but it also motivates me to continue to to save toward my goals. So I think those are are, you know, four really great ways to get started and to keep you motivated. And again, I always go back to, you know, saving can be hard to start to do. But give yourself some grace when you do fall off track. It's okay to reset and start again. It is not a one and done type of thing. So just keep after it, keep motivated, and you'll find success because small changes can yield really big results when it comes to saving.
0: So would you suggest a person shop around for a savings account, or should they just go with the bank they are with right now? Should you have your savings account with the same place you have your checking account? Because I know some people separate them, and I've always wondered if I would be better off going out and shopping for the best rate when it comes to my savings account.
2: So um, I actually, so a couple things. The first is you absolutely should shop around. And you know, one of the things that, that I like to promote in a savings account is look for one that has no fees, no monthly fees and no minimum balances. And, and the reason that is important is because when you're just starting to save and you are starting with smaller balances, you don't wanna have to maintain minimum balances uh, that when you're starting off small, you're not gonna be able to and then you're gonna be hit with monthly fees and that's gonna take away from your savings. You know, at my bank at Synchrony, we have a great savings product, it's our high yield savings product, it has no monthly fees, it has no minimum balances, and we offer some of the, some of the most competitive rates out there, and so it's a great way to get started. Secondly, uh, I do encourage people to keep their savings at a separate bank. And the reason for that is because it's a little bit harder to get to, and it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. So you know when I'm checking my accounts every morning over that cup of coffee, uh, if I am looking at my checking account and I'm paying attention to where am I spending out of my checking account, you know I'm not always thinking about the balances that are in my savings account. I have to go somewhere different to look at those balances. And so when I'm spending and I'm using my debit card, I'm I'm less tempted to go after those savings balances because they are truly separate than where my transaction accounts are. And so this can be a really effective method for for those who are struggling in the beginning to be able to manage their money and stay on track with a budget because it's harder to move money from one bank to another. uh, And it takes a couple of days in some cases to move that money. So that gives you time to reconsider your choices.
0: As a leader in the industry, I was curious to know what are some mistakes that you see people commonly make when it comes to their money?
2: You know, one of them is just lacking awareness of their full financial picture. I mean, it can be kind of scary or intimidating to know what those numbers really look like. And I used to be that person. I didn't check my accounts every day. In fact, I wasn't even checking my accounts when my husband was alive. He managed all of the finances even though, you know, I'm in the I'm in a I'm a leader in the financial services industry and I wasn't even paying attention to that. And so on any given day, I had no idea what was in my checking account, my savings account. I didn't know what my balances were on my credit card, and so I probably didn't make really smart choices because I I just didn't have awareness of that full financial picture. And so what I tell people is, you know, you just, you gotta muster up that energy and that confidence to sit down and start there. Because if you don't know what that financial picture looks like, you're gonna have a much harder time being successful with your financial goals because you don't know what's out there. And once you have that awareness then you can be a lot smarter about what those goals need to be and how you're gonna be able to achieve those goals and how you set that plan. The second is just failing to get started. And some people think, oh, well, I need to put $500 in a savings account to get started, like why would I even bother when some small amount like $20 a pay period? And I tell people it is okay to start small. The key is that you just get started. And what may be small today can grow over time. So if you start with $50 a month, then that adds up to $600 a year, and that's a great emergency saving fund to start with. But you've just gotta get started. And then the third is not resetting goals as financial needs change. Like it might be that in this first year, you just need to get to $600 for an emergency fund, You've accomplished that goal and that's great and it's empowering, but then you need to be ready to set that next goal. And it could be, okay, now I need to tackle debt. I wanna go after one credit card and pay it off. Or it could be, I'm not saving for retirement and now I wanna start saving and contributing to my 401k. It is critical that you are resetting those goals because your financial needs will change over time and you you need to be prepared to accomplish those goals as well
0: you just spoke about unexpected events and how your husband which I'm surprised managed all your money you being the vice president head of consumer bank over there at synchrony I would have thought you would have been the one managing the money how did that happen that he managed the money and not you I'm just curious
2: Well, you know, we were both working and I was, you know, busy being a mother, a very involved mother and being very involved in my career. And and this was actually something that he had a passion um, uh, for. And so we sort of divided the, the chores, so to speak, in our household where. You know, I, I did a lot of the things that happened in our home, um, a lot of things with my children's school or with their sports. And he would take on the financial matters. And it just became easy for us to settle into the, those roles over time. But unfortunately, when my husband passed away, I was in a, a very uncomfortable situation where I had to figure out, you know, what is my financial situation? What are all of those accounts that we have out there? what are the balances you know where are they located who are they with and oh and what are the passwords to even sign into these accounts and so you know that was that was a very difficult time financially to figure out you know where is all the money and what are all of these new expenses that i need to plan for not only associated with his death but also you know setting up my financial goals now for the future and protecting my children and just understanding, you know, what does it mean to lose the income of your, your partner, uh, whether it's through someone passing away or through divorce, and being able then to reset goals and, and ensuring that you're, you're positioned to actually accomplish them. And so, uh, you know, that, that became a difficult time. And so, one of the things that, that I do as part of the work that I do with widows is to talk about, you know, financial matters. And I even tell my friends now who are not widows that make sure you know what your financial picture looks like. And if one spouse or one partner is managing the finances for the family, which is fine if that works for you, but just make sure you know what is the inventory of everything that's out there. What are the assets, the documents, the accounts, the obligations? Uh, Because you really don't know when tragedy could strike and you are then in a position to have to take over those things.
0: So, would you suggest as having a specific password or everybody knowing the passwords or they keep them somewhere? I mean, do you have any advice on that? I think that would probably be the hardest is figuring out how to get into some of the accounts if I didn't know the password. How did you manage that?
2: Yeah, so what I, what I like to tell others is, and I, of course I'm sharing this with my friends who are not widows because. They have the opportunity to act on this. Is make sure that you're having regular conversations with whoever in your household is taking care of your finances. So, create an inventory. It could be an Excel spreadsheet uh, that it it itself is password protected that has a listing of all of the accounts, uh, has the account numbers, has the passwords, uh, so that you can access it if you need to access it for whatever reason. The other is actually sitting down and going through all the accounts and actually just sort of doing a walkthrough of, oh, well, these are my accounts here, these are our accounts here. Uh, and so that you'll, you'll um, not only will you have whatever the document, let's just say Excel in this, in this example, uh, you'll also have some memory of actually being able to sign into those accounts uh, and see uh, what's in them. And I, I think that inventory becomes really important. You know, for me, we hadn't done that before my husband passed away. I, I had a general sense of what, where most of the accounts were, uh, but I also had access to his email. And so I did a couple of things. One, I waited for statements to come in the mail, uh, and then I also waited for statements uh, to come through email. And that was how I was able to piece the picture of what the financial picture was together.
0: So you had to be a little bit of a detective. So I, I had so did you get it yeah. from his phone, or did you just know his password? I mean, did you have your husband's password?
2: I did. So I had the password to his phone, which gave me access to his emails. Uh, and then I was able to get to uh, the accounts that way. Well, that's great, but you know, not all not all widows are or, you know, not everybody has access to that, and it becomes a little bit more difficult. So I was lucky that I had his phone and I could access the emails. Uh, and in some cases, and I have a number of friends who are widows themselves, you know, they didn't, have, they didn't have that information. And so they would have to wait for collection letters to come into the mail, or uh, to be able to pull their spouse's credit uh, to see where they may have some joint accounts. And they, you can do this with, with um, legal help as well. And that, that also helps to, to complete that financial picture.
0: I'm curious, would you suggest people be able to maybe have all of their accounts on their phone? I mean, manage even your joint accounts and everything, have them somewhere, be all the time and look at them as well, instead of just being kind of like, well, they're managing it. I'm not even going to pay attention.
2: So um, I, do, I think you should. Uh, I, I wish that I was much more involved uh, in the process It would have made my transition into widowhood so much easier financially. And so I now have everything on my phone. I use the bank apps. I use my investment house apps. Uh, Everything is is accessible on my phone. And my children know how to access these accounts should they need to.
0: That's a really smart idea. So you have your kids know those as well because you being the sole parent, I didn't even think about... Your kids, if you were the, their only parent, how would they get into those things, and so you give them access as well. I think that's a great tip right there, and I know shooting back over to retirement and saving, is there any apps or anything like that that you would suggest people do to track their savings and their um, retirement goals?
2: Yeah, absolutely. in fact, what's great is that a lot of banks today offer this, and so you know my particular bank um the, so my bank, Synchrony Bank, we have an app. We have a fantastic app where you can go in and check your balances every day. You can move money. You can open accounts. Uh, and so it's it's one of the apps that I track every day. Uh, I also have uh, accounts at other banks. And like where my checking account is, is a different bank. And my mortgage is with a different bank. And I'm able to track those accounts. I'm able to pay my bills out of those apps. Open account. In fact, it's the same bank that my children's accounts are at, and so I'm able to track their spending and move money into their accounts instantaneously. Uh, and so it just makes life so much easier. Plus, I can create a budget, and because it's able to connect to uh, my other accounts that are at the same bank or outside of that bank, it gives me a really clear picture of how I'm spending money.
0: I think that's like the core theme here is how are we spending our money? Know where you as a couple are spending money and how to access that money because it would be very difficult for me personally if my spouse passed away because I don't know all the passwords. I don't look at them. I'm going to admit this. I don't, I kind of, I allow, I just have him do it all. And hearing you speak about something happening to your spouse unexpectedly and being left to be able to get into those. I don't know if I could actually even do that. I don't even have his password to his phone. And that's probably a bad thing. I wonder what he has on there. No, I'm just kidding. I know I'm sure I could get it if I ask. I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe he's up to something. But no, um, I think there's lots of things that we should talk with our spouses about when it comes to money and our finances. And just be prepared for the worst because you just never know when tragedy can strike and also prepare financially for unexpected burdens. And that's why we need to save and it's so important to save. I also was curious and I wanted to ask you about now that you're single, how do you do that losing part half of your income? I mean, how does someone prepare for that? I mean, losing 50% of your income is a huge deal. I know people experience that with divorce as well. Do you have any suggestions for women that... Are experiencing that, or males who are experiencing that right now?
2: Yes, I do. I mean, losing half of my family's income—that's that, a big deal. That I've obviously had a big impact, and and not only that, you know, I had to think about my savings goals, my retirement, knowing that now I'm the only person who is saving for my retirement. I'm the only person who's saving for my children's college fund, and. And I also have you know, my parents who are retired and may need my help, and my late husband's parents who are also retired and, and aging, and they may need financial help at some point. And so uh, there there are a couple of things that, that I did early on. I called it my hoarding cash phase, and it was I had to spend a lot of time. And I remember doing this because I, I couldn't sleep There were many weeks that I just couldn't sleep. And so in the middle of the night, I would be in front of my computer just assessing, what is my complete financial picture? What is everything? Where is the money going? And so it was looking at things like, what kind of subscriptions do I have? What kind of memberships? Am I getting the best deal from my cable provider? I really scoured everything. And I looked for every opportunity to cut expenses. And so things like, okay, I have all of these movie you know, streaming devices. Do I really need them all? Uh, I made some critical decisions about my cell phone service and my cable service. Uh, I looked at how I was spending money eating out and spending money on things that really were not a critical need. They were just things that I enjoyed. Uh, I, I, looked, I refinanced uh, my house at the time. Refinanced actually an auto loan that I had at the time in order to find ways to save. and um, and so I actually have a couple other tips that I'll get into too, that I think can help anybody, regardless of whether or not they are single or widowed or divorced or or married. Uh, so as an example, you know I call them mindful spending traps. Like be mindful of spending traps. And one of them was you can shop around for insurance and get the best deal. Maybe you have a deductible on your auto insurance that's low and you're able to move, move it up a little bit higher and save money each month. Uh, I looked at how I was shopping at the grocery store. Instead of just walking in without a plan and buying whatever looked good, I actually shopped with a plan. I knew what I wanted to make that week. I knew how many days I might go out to dinner And so I was only buying what I actually needed, which saved me money, and I also wasn't throwing out as much food. Uh, I also looked at my bank accounts. Was I paying fees on any of my bank accounts? And if I was, then I looked to move money or consolidate into fewer banks, which would make it so much more easier for me to manage money. And so the other thing too is, Another big mindful spending trap for me was I had to unsubscribe from store promotional emails that could distract me from achieving my goals because I'd see an email come through 20% off sale, you know, at one of my favorite stores. And I would be so tempted to go and buy something because, hey, it's 20% off. That's like the best deal all year. And when I really didn't need anything. so. I had to remove that temptation from my life. And so I unsubscribed from those emails so that I I wouldn't know that there was a 20% off sale and then I wouldn't spend money. Um, The other is what I call perks and freebies. And so, you know, I learned that there are credit cards out there and one that I had that I could take the rewards points and deposit those rewards, convert them into cash and deposit those rewards into my savings account. And if I did that, my bank would also give me a 10% bonus on it. And so this was like free money. And this became a great way of, of like what I'll also call sneaky savings. Just other money that I, you know, that, that wasn't coming from my income, but came from my credit card rewards that I could then add to my savings account to boost my savings even further. Um, the other is you know, company retirement matches. So if your company has a 401k or a similar Retirement account. If you contribute to that with your uh, pay, through a payroll deduction into that account, your many companies will match that, and that's a freebie as well. And so I then started to maximize my retirement savings so that I could get the maximum match from my company.
0: Oh, uh, and uh, I have a quick question when you bring that up it's on your spouse when the i'm curious when your spouse passes away do you can you access their retirement or 401k through their company and all that i mean how does that work and how long does it take before you can actually have access to those types of things
2: so i uh, i was a beneficiary of his 401k and so yes i did inherit that 401k and so one of the first things that I did after my husband passed away is he worked for a different bank. And so I contacted his bank to let them know that he had passed away. And they had a beneficiary uh, department that handled employees passing away. And, and they were a great resource for me because they actually helped me with the whole rollover of his 401k into my IRA. And so now it is in my name uh, and I have those as part of my retirement savings.
0: Sorry to interrupt you there. I was just curious about that when you brought it up. And I was like, okay, you have two spouses that are working and they're both contributing. And I was curious what happens there when one passes away. So thanks for sharing that, Samantha. So what was that final tip you wanted to share with us?
2: So the the final is... You know, commit to saving a percentage of any windfalls that you get. So, if you get a bonus, if you get a tax refund, birthday cash gifts, uh, those are great ways to contribute to your savings account. If you decide, you know, maybe I'm going to save 50% of that into my savings account. Another great tip, piggybacking off that, is when you get a raise save the amount of your raise into your savings account. You've been living without that extra money all this time. It's a great way to contribute uh, or boost your savings by just taking that little extra and putting it in there.
0: So you're saying you shouldn't go out and buy a car or add <laughs> more debt on because you're making more money. So all those things I've done in the past are wrong. <laughs> it's hard yeah. not to think that when you're making more money that I can now spend more money but that is really good advice. Yeah, I will say this though. The one thing you don't
2: want to do is do not make your plan or your budget so restrictive that you don't have that fun time money. So, you know, what I personally do when I get a bonus, I do contribute half of that bonus into my savings account and a portion of it is going into my retirement as well. But then I always buy myself or I splurge on one thing for myself and it's usually a nice bag. Like, I love designer bags. And so when I get a bonus, I will buy a designer bag for myself because I've worked hard. I've already contributed to my savings account. And so I should have some fun with that money as well.
0: So how many Louis Vuittons do you have? Do you have a burqa? I mean, I'm. I'm a, how, how big <laughs> is your? <laughs> are you going when you're getting these designer bags? Or are you going to plead the fifth here? <laughs> so...
2: Oh yeah, I have a few Louis Vuittons and and E Saint Laurent's and Prada bags. I have a few. I don't have a, a Birkin yet or an Hermes.
0: They're on the list, it sounds like. It sounds like they're on <laughs> yeah. the list, Samantha. I can tell they are. So what does live richer mean to you? As a woman, you know, who's experienced loss and so many different things in her life, I would love to hear what that means to you.
2: So live richer to me means having the financial stability along with a healthy attitude toward money that gives me the freedom to pursue my passions, whether it be travel, my family, and especially right now in my life, giving back to my community and those causes that matter most to me.
0: You just said something about causes and matter most to you. So right now, what's something that you're really helping out with and promoting?
2: Yeah, so I'm really passionate right now about supporting other widows. And so I sit on the board of the W Connection, which is a national nonprofit of widows supporting widows. And, you know, often when someone becomes a widow, there's a lot of focus on managing through grief. But what the W Connection does is it creates a sense of community that goes beyond grief counseling. It is about creating a place where women can talk about a variety of things like the financial burden that that comes with becoming a widow or friendships, creating your own friendships or how do you get back into the workforce if you haven't been working or how do you start dating again? Those are, these are all topics that become very important for someone who is restarting their life or starting this brand new chapter in their life. Um, the other, which is also a topic for women is, uh, I am a community advisor uh, and a and a huge advocate for Dress for Success. And so this is, you know, women who are, uh, who need you know financial stability, who are looking for employment that helps them sustain their families uh, and it advances them economically. Uh, and it's a program that includes career development, interview skills, as well as suiting them so that they feel confident in the workforce. Uh, and then also uh, this whole topic around savings. I'm on the advisory board for the America Saves Council. Uh, which is also a national nonprofit, and it is focused on helping Americans—you know, low to moderate-income Americans—achieve financial health through saving.
0: Now, all these um, institutions you just mentioned, could someone just go online to get help from any of those if they needed it?
2: Absolutely, uh, they are the two. Um, the The Dress for Success is does have a national chapter, but it also has chapters that are local. So uh, where I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, we have a Charlotte chapter. So we are supporting women who live in my community. And so that's why I contribute to that chapter so I can help my neighbors. Um, The other two, America Saves and uh, the W Connection are national chapters. Uh, And so you can just Google those and you'll, you'll easily find them.
0: That's great. So if, just so any of you out there that are listening, if you need help when it comes to, even if you don't have a spouse that you've lost or divorced, or just needing to get a job, right? And wanting to know how to do that and needing help when it comes to having the right clothes for those interviews and the right skills, Dress for Success, is that what it's called, will help you? Yes. And then if you're a widow, you can easily go to, can you say it again, Samantha Forum.
2: The W Connection.
0: The W Connection to get help, whether it be grief, money issues, or whatever it might be. They're there to help you through the process. And then America Saves is there for all of us to help us how to save money and giving us tips and tools to do that. Thanks again, Samantha, for coming on. And I want to remind everyone to live richer.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at LiveRicherPod at GoBankingRates.com.
0: You've worked hard for your savings. It's time your savings starts working harder for you. With Millibank, you can do just that. When you open a savings account or JARS, you'll earn Millie's highly competitive annual percentage yield. But that's not all. Millie believes banking shouldn't cost you a thing. That's why Millie offers complete peace of mind with no fees, no minimums, and is member FDIC insured. It's all part of Millie's mission to help you save more for the things that matter most. So why wait? Download the Millie Bank app today.